Welcome to today's episode of Charting Tracks. First, here's our annoying legal disclaimer. All views expressed are our own and do not indicate the opinions of any employers or clients for whom we work. The recommendations or advice given in this podcast may or may not be right for you, depending on the circumstances. Please bear this in mind before taking any action. Your hosts for this episode are Ben Hennessy Garside, who is a voice coach, a multi-instrumentalist, music composer and producer, previously was an A&R scout at Faith and Hope Records, and is currently a lecturer at Leeds Conservatoire, where he teaches voice on the popular music course, and he is a father of two. Chris O'Gorman is a digital marketing strategist. He previously was digital manager at Sony Music and former head of digital at Capitol Records UK. He runs a digital marketing agency and he works on artist development, branding and marketing. My name is Amir Yacoub. I am a record producer, a Grammy award-winning audio engineer. I'm co-owner of Bison Productions, which is a facility in East London, which provides music production and podcast recording services. And I am director of Garnish Music Production School in London. This is episode seven of Charting Tracks, which is uh, part two of a conversation on music creation and composition. We hope you enjoy it. Ben, you said the... Uh, the uh, Tamtif tool. Tamtif tool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know tool. what that is, actually. Yeah, so, uh, neither do I. I've been waiting for a big reveal um, <laughs> until this episode because Ben not- is going to change my life in a way that yeah. he doesn't even know yet. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take this set and I'm going to apply it to every single session that I do in the future. <laughs> well, I hope so. No, this was uh, this is something that I... I got this from when I was doing my BTEC National Diploma mm. in popular music. Um, I had a great lecturer, actually. Um, and he, he had a thing, he called it um, Ramtift. And so I've, mm. I've altered that a little mm. bit and updated it and edited it just for, 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 for the way I work. But mm. it's, it's working on his, um, on his foundations. And it's, it's, it's basically just a... Um, a way of an analyzing music, and what I mean by analyzing is taking music and breaking it into kind of constituent parts, like mm-hmm. smaller little pieces that that we can then take a look at. Um, it's not comprehensive. There'll be there are things that kind of sit between categories, mm. right? Um, but nonetheless, um, as a way of listening. Um, and, and kind of, we talked a bit, a bit earlier about focus, um, a way of focusing our listening. Um, it's a really useful, really useful frame. Um, but the other thing is, well, in, in arrangement um, and, and composition, we might also think about um, mm. think about our music in in, in these in these ways. Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah, and we, we've, we've talked a bit about about blocks and overcoming blocks again like if 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 the if the creativity is not just flowing you might pick one of these categories and say right well i'm gonna i'm gonna make a change in that yeah and so it's again it, it's 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 almost like um like a, yeah a, a way of a way of viewing music from from a few different angles and so I'll, I'll explain each of them if you want so it's tam tiftle right it's a terrible acronym 
and you, you'll find <laughs> out why it's a terrible acronym. I keep on, saying it as Tam Tipville. <laughs> Tam Tipville, no, um, you know, no, it's important mm. you get it, you get it right. I need yeah. to get it right, <laughs> the right way around. Yeah. So, um, uh, so just spell that out for the listeners there. So it's T A M T I F T L. Okay, and and we'll get a graphic of this and all this kind of stuff made up as well. Right. So um, the first one's timing. Timing. Okay. Like and underneath that, so if you imagine that like, timing is the header, right? Yep. That's the title, and then underneath that, there's a whole whole list of other things. So you you, you might find tempo, or well, you will. You'll find tempo in there. You'll find time signature in there. Mm-hmm. You'll find uh, rhythm in there. Um, there's also um, some some dynamics stuff in there because we're talking about um, accents. Yeah. So you know, if you've got a bar of four four, well, okay, fine. But which beats are you accenting yeah. within that bar of four four? Yeah, and that, of course, that's yeah. a timing timing concern even though it's you're talking about dynamics it's Mm. it's actually there's a timing component yeah of course because that because that contributes to the groove absolutely yeah it's 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 the groove Mm. Uh, so yeah groove is another thing that you that you'd stick stick Mm -hmm. underneath underneath timing Mm -hmm. um the next one is um harmony Right. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. So harmony. I told you, I, 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 you know, I told you it was awful. But harmony, yeah. So if you put a little H in front of the the, the second A for the acronym, it's <laughs> harmony, yeah. Wicked. Um, and so, and what comes under harmony is everything basically to do with chords. Chords, yeah. Right. So you know, you've got there are a whole bunch of questions you might want to answer. Like, are the are the chords are they basic triads? Are they sus chords? Are they extended chords? Are they sevenths? Are they ninths? Are they like? Uh, are there any add nines? Um, are there any slash chords? So mm-hmm. there's all of those kind of questions. But then you've also got the question of um, maybe you're in a, and this is where there's, there's there's a place of kind of overlap. So maybe you're in a major key, and then well, which which chords in the key? You know, is it one, five, six, four, two, three, chord seven? Mm. There's all all that kind of stuff. Um. um so all of that stuff would be seeded under under harmony. So the of the, course the chord order and the chord construction mm-hmm. um, would 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 sit under there. Um, yeah, you might throw in uh, in this as well, kind of um, tonal or atonal chords. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so or, or dissonance and consonance. Mm-hmm. Um, right after that, then. Um, Melody is, yeah, so T-A-M is melody, right? What's happening melodically? Now, you can apply a lot of the same principles for um, melodic thinking to baseline thinking, you know, is the melody line ascending? Like, is it rising as, as it's moving along? Or is it descending? Is it coming down in pitch as it, as it progresses along? Mm-hmm. Um, same with the baseline. You might throw melodic rhythm. This is another another place where timing and melody, there's an overlap when you're thinking about melodic rhythm. Mm. Um, you know, because if you, if you say you've got an ascending melodic line moving up in pitch, that's only one, one the pitch is, is only one part of the, the way of analyzing and thinking about melody. The other is, well, how, what's the gap between each note? How long does each note last for? Yeah. Is it staccato? Is it legato? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's, um, there's a, there's a rhythmic component too. Um, next one, um, T. would be T, uh, Tam Tiftel. 
Yeah, so we're talking in T about tonality. Tonality. Cool. Tonality. Uh, so again, and this is like the overall thing. So it encompasses harmony and encompasses melody and it encompasses any bass lines, um, any riffs and any anything that's got pitched musical information in. Um, so that would you'd then be you'd be thinking about is it atonal? Mm. Is it tonal? Mm-hmm. Is it diatonic? Yeah, is it modal or is it like are we dealing with straight majors or minors? Mm-hmm. What type of minor if it's a minor? Is mm-hmm. it harmonic minor? Is it melodic minor? Is it a mm-hmm. natural minor? Um, if it's a if it's modal, which mode is it? And um, if it's completely atonal, like there's there's no key signature or, or note. All of these questions sit and are seeded underneath this um, uh, tonality section. Mm-hmm. Um, next one would be. I for instrumentation slash tombra. Cool. Now, I like to distinguish, I, I, I kind of put them together because what you're dealing with here is like the, um, yeah, so what's the instrument or the sound that you're going with, right? Um, now, if you take instrumentation, then that's, well, what instrument is it? Is it a guitar? Mm-hmm. Is it a keyboard? Is it a voice? Is it... Uh, drums, bass, like what? What is it? And but then you can you can zoom in on this stuff, right? So, um, if you're going to ask the question of whether it's a guitar, well, okay, it, it, what type of guitar is it? Electric or acoustic? Okay, mm. right. And you might decide it's electric, right? Okay, so it's electric. So if it's electric, well, what type of electric guitar is it? Like, is of course. it is it a Gibson Les Paul? Is it a Fender Strat? Is it a Fender Telecaster? Is it is it some kind of spiky Ibanez thin sounding thing? Like what? So you can really go down on, on the instrument, but then there's also the timbre, which is kind of how the instrument's played, mm. right? So is it muted? Is, is there distortion on it? Is there reverb on it? Mm. These things kind of live in the sort of timbre land. Mm-hmm. Um, what I suppose, like scientifically, we're talking about... Um, the, the harmonic series and which of which in the harmonic series are present and to to which degrees yeah we're talking about the kind of um waveform shape of course rather than the pitch yeah 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 yeah, yeah. definitely um, so that's all the stuff that lands in this in this area you know um other production considerations are supposed to like how how much warmth, quote unquote, is there in the sound? Like how much bass frequency content is there in it? How much how much middle is there? How much treble? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All of these kind of questions live live under there. Um, so, okay, so that's that, and then form slash structure. So that's like it, it's a bit like timing, but we're talking about things on like a macro level as far as the song's concerned. So like, what's the structure? Yeah, is is it intro verse chorus verse chorus? middle eight chorus chorus whatever um is it a little bit more um is it less kind of poppy and you might then be talking about things in terms of a sections mm. and b sections yep. or like if it's yep, yep, yep. um you know if it's jazz you might be talking about when the head is compared to when when everyone's getting their imp- impros mm-hmm. but th- it's it's that that kind of like macro s- structural stuff um and then last but not least Oh, you've got uh, a oh, T no. and you've got an oh, L. Oh, I've got a T and an L. Yeah, sorry. Um, Tam Tiftel. Yeah, so what's the final T? This is why <laughs> I need it. No, but this is why I need it because it's like... <laughs> um, 
so we've got tonality we've got instrumentation we've got a texture texture so texture so you've got your form and then there's a the question of well which sounds like which instruments which timbres are being played and when yeah and and then you know with, within a within a given bar so if you take loads of loads of different sounds and you stack them all on top of each other you could describe that as being quite a thick texture yeah whereas yeah, of course the thing that we've been talking about before so in the choruses of hallelujah jeff buckley gets kind of thinner yeah whereas um leonard cohen has got a nice thick texture in his choruses mm. um in in that so it's just it's like how how much how many sounds are you throwing and uh, um, chucking in and yeah. stacking up on top of each other in any given moment yeah of course. and then the final one l is is lyrics um so and, and again there's some spill over here because obviously when you write a lyric um, even if you, even if the intention is to rap the lyric, mm. there's still a kind of implied melody there. Mm. So just mm. then, when I said there's, there's even a kind of implied melody there. Do da da do da do da do da do da. Does he hear that? There's like a, there's like yeah. a melodic shape to what I've just said. Do do da do do da do da do da. And because of that, there are people who are musicians on Instagram who take their instruments and they play along yeah. to people's melodic. Yep, yep. Talking. So, like, there's a guy called Chris Cornell who does it on keys and a guy, bass player called Mono Neon who does it on bass. Yeah. Uh, who does the Cardi should... B ones? That's Chris Cornell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> genius. Okay, so, so, so there is some overlap. So in the act of writing a lyric, you're not just writing a lyric, right? Of course. You're mm. also um, writing rhythmic information because there's an implied... Um, rhythm in there rhythm rhythm in it yeah so uh, the the gaps beneath the words certain words are going to be accented or not and th there's there's an implied rhythm but there's also an implied melody too um but the other thing with lyric lyrics is also there's there's questions around meaning mm. um and there's a a way of playing into so I say the branding stuff that we've talked about or the kind of wider there, there are there's stuff that you get from lyrics that you can't get from other other musical other musical elements because yeah of course you know you, there's a there's a different um, there's much more of a direct message even if you're even if you're covering it up with um, metaphors and all that kind of stuff right well it's it's language con yeah so so for somebody so so for people like us who who kind of quite quite talky types I mean we we're on a podcast after all right <laughs> that um, yes there's there's quite a bit of meaning is carried in a lyric perhaps mm. i mean some people some fans like they don't really care about lyric they don't remember the lyric that you know the meaning doesn't really matter they just you know they just want to dance and mm. it all the all the lyric is is just to kind of carry for melodic and rhythmic mm. information and the and the um yeah and the, and the meaning in the lyric is doesn't matter but you know for you chris certainly as a as a singer songwriter like that lyric that there's a whole world of exploration that you can have you, it's a whole play space for for musical artists that's separate from just the music mm. yeah yeah um, definitely so, so so that's tam tip that's tiftle. tam tiftle yeah. right so <laughs> there's there's an overview of it all right uh, um i think personally I, that's something we need to unwrap in a in a podcast episode of its yeah. own but we could do we, well we could spend whole, an entire podcast on each yeah, one of those yeah, yeah exactly yeah. i mean that's just, you know this is the wonderful thing about it as well because you know it goes so music when we talk about creation 
um, of music, it goes so deep, doesn't mm. it? I mean, um, you know, even when you were talking about instrumentation and the, the choice of instrumentation, you might not even choose the instruments. You might choose a sample of an old 60s record or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that choice there is bringing so much um to everything else, everything else. Yeah, yeah, and, and and this is the thing, each of those components, you can change it up and that will represent one of those changes that we were that we were talking about, right? You might you might shift from so I mean let pick one. Let's pick one. Let's go with I don't know, uh, tonality, right? Mm. So uh, you might you might shift from um a, a diatonic scale uh, into a into something atonal, right? Keep mm. the kind of basic musical shape but shift a couple of notes around in the key signature mm. so it's not even in a key signature like a, a, a traditionally uh, recognizable mm. key signature anymore and you're going to get a a, a shift mm. um a, you know it could be even an entirely new piece of music and, and the two things may need to be kept totally separate but um and you can do the same with the others right so rhythmically well what do you do well maybe you introduce a time signature change or a tempo change mm. or uh, or you just you keep the same time signature, but you just change the rhythm slightly mm. um the melodic line maybe the m- melodies have been largely um, ascending like rising up mm. well flip them on the head mm. try try and make them descending for a section or there's a oh, it what it means is if if you're going right i need some change something's the second verse is just there's a bit flat there's there's nothing moving if you can reach to tam tiftel and go <laughs> oh i'm going to pick one of these components and i'm going to change yeah. it um it's it's just it represents a, a route out if you're kind of you, you're banging your head against a brick wall of uh, what to do next yeah and i suppose that's what creates the um you know the motion in in um in the composition um in your song and um, I suppose there were some of the techniques that you would think of uh, creating with, well, one of the one, the big ones that always is, um, one of the big ones that is always something that I'm thinking about is tension and release. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm sure you can all think of a song which has a lot of tension and a lot of release in it or some points of tension and release where you know this kind of like anxiety is building up inside of you because you're like oh what's going on here (laughs) and and then all of a sudden it's like ah um and that's being built off any one of those tam tip tools or you know many of them are happening at the same time yeah um but the journey is never really um, something that you want to keep static and linear. You want to take someone somewhere in whatever way you can. Yeah. You know, something that you'd mentioned earlier, Ben, particularly, which I, I thought was quite interesting and um, is um, probably, and you know, there's a TED talk about this and all of this kind of stuff is repetition in music. Um mm-hmm. And the sense of familiarity that you get from repetition and that turning your song into a bit of an earworm and all this kind of stuff. Um, But obviously, if you're just constantly repeating stuff, you're boring people, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. you got to know when to pull it back and and drop it back in and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, Um, I have this thing thing called um, conspansion. 
mm. which is like if you if you take uh, contraction and expansion, mm-hmm. and th- they're two kind of paradoxical. You know, they're 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 opposed to each other, right? Right. But if you think about the process of of managing uh, contraction compared to expansion and put them together in a a package mm-hmm. as a thing to think about then conspansion is a kind of it's a word that just kind of covers it right process yeah yeah so it's it's like as you're moving through a song there's there may well be a sense of of the thing contracting mm-hmm. yeah and there may there may be a sense of expansion and opening out right mm. you might use you might use you know i'm thinking from a production context you might stuff use stuff like reverbs and room sizes yeah and delay lengths and stuff to kind of, t- of to open something out or, mm-hmm. or shrink it back. But then there's there's also there's a whole whole heaps of of other other ways of um, of you doing that. But the point is is that if something's contracting or mm. expanding, what it is doing is changing. Yes, yeah. of course. And I f- I find kind of often there's just the right balance between repetition and then some kind of act of expansion. Which so so and it, it's like can you can you repeat the thing whilst also changing it at the same time, mm. and that's like the 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 balancing act. You know, maybe you get the maybe you you take the hook right, and the hook is repeated um, with a few of the notes missing. So it's slightly you know it's it, that, that's an example of um, uh, contraction. Yeah, you, you've removed a few bits. It's kind of getting smaller, but you're you're playing it then on a different instrument. Uh, maybe in a different key or in a mm. different octave, but there's a sense of the thing being uh, repeated um, mm. and rerun and reheard, and it's it changing like simultaneously. Mm. And holding both of those things simultaneously is is it's a tricky thing to do, but mm. when when you do it, that that can work really nicely. So balancing expansion and repetition yeah. is an important thing. Um, you know the song that really makes me think. <laughs> Is a song from Frozen, the musical, you know, the go. It, it really does that. Just piano vocal, and it just builds, 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 and then it's yeah. the tension. Talk about building tension, and it does that in the chorus into the pre, uh, in the verse into the pre-chorus, and then into the chorus. It literally expands at that point, and then it also releases because it's then musically releases also the lyrics let it go if it actually releases even yeah. in the lyrical content yeah. it's and then it um and then it contracts again uh, for the next verse so it's for, as you were saying that i could just hear the, the melody in my head playing and i'll probably hear it for the rest of the day yeah, now so I'm thank sure. you <laughs> it's one of the, i mean there's a reason that's such a insanely successful song well this is true yeah. this is true it's t- ticking all the boxes isn't it yeah the, the other thing about this um by the way is and there's there's some kind of reasons for this for, for like why it works right um that and these there are two more words i've invented here as mm-hmm. well right um there's a subordity right which is a blend of security and boredom <laughs> when we when we're hearing the same thing over and over again we feel secure. Mm. Like human beings like to feel secure. We like to feel like we know where we stand, right? It's it's the reason why. Um, it's, it's, I suppose it's the reason why genre or style, even as a concept, exists, mm. right? People want to feel that there's a like a musical tradition. There's something repeatable that that they're listening to and that they're into and that they're interested in. And there's, there needs to be something familiar about it, right? So it's secure, mm-hmm. but. The reason why I've squished this board into the middle of the word, subordity, is because that can also lead to boredom. Exactly, exactly. And so there's that sense of 
sameness that might eli- might elicit um, a sense of security, but it might also elicit a sense of boredom, right? Mm. So there's like positive and negative poles of that same thing. Absolutely. Um, and then then there's another word which is anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you if if you take change, right? So um, and introduce it to people, they might feel. Um, really excited about that the, the change. It's like something fresh. It's something new. It's exciting. Like it's energizing. They there might be too much of that energy, or it might flip into a negative form, which is they might then get anxious. Yeah. And so too much change can cause people to be anxious, right? And and again, there there are entire genres that are designed for people that can cope with quite a lot of that anxiety energy mm. in the music, right? If you've got, you know, I'm thinking about kind of like and maybe like prog styles or something. There's time signature changes, key signature yeah. changes, um, virtuo- virtuosic music. Like it's just really, really, really busy. Mm. Freeform jazz, something like that. Yeah, like. exactly. Right, yeah, mm. yeah, sure. And so there are some people just like can deal with that anxiety and it doesn't flip them into anxiety. They, mm. they just feel kind of excited by it. Like it's just in- enjoyable for them. But then there are a whole heap of other people probably the majority of people who were like, no, I can't be dealing with this level. It just makes me feel anxious. I feel tense listening to it. Like I just don't want to be listening to it. Mm. So um, yeah, getting the, getting the right level of subordinacy and the right level of anxiety and being aware that you might be tipping your audience either into um, either into boredom or a, a, a nice solid sense of security. Like they might feel safe with you or, you could be tipping them into a, a, a real deep sense of excitement or a sense of anxiety and that you've got this kind of balancing act to take to take into to consideration yeah. when when you're making your music definitely um, yeah and that thing about tension and release of course is it's it's like build and 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 build and, build and, build and a, yeah that's the right blend. If you're feeling that sense of tension, it's like it's almost anxiety, but there's also mm. enough repetition that you're kind of held. Mm-hmm, like you yeah. can't move anywhere and yet there's this energy inside you. And then when the release comes, it's like... Yeah, you know, exactly. Simultaneously, you can move again. Yeah, also you can settle back down into your chair. It's like yeah. the kind of weird flip reversal thing taking place. Yeah, I mean... You know, this is like this. This is the wonderful thing about composition, really, isn't it? Is that you? Is that you're allowed to take your listeners wherever you want to take them? Mm-hmm. Um, you can create a space for them, which they hopefully will love. Um, I think one song that really stuck out to me. There's always a song. Whenever I hear people talking about music composition, there's always a song that sticks out to you. My one. Um, on this occasion, when you were talking, Ben, um, about all of this was Chandelier by Sia. Mm, right. Mm. Yeah. Because like, it's an epic journey in a pop song. Ah. And when you talked about things like using more reverb and less reverb, if you hear the chorus, it's, it's bloody huge on mm-hmm. that song. And right. There's loads of reverb. And when you come back into verse two, you notice the difference because they don't use much reverb there. It comes mm. back to her solo vocal instead of layered vocals. And, you know... There's, it's one example that I use quite often with my students when we're talking about mixing records and 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 how we can. Obviously, a lot of it's built on the original production. Even even if you take it one step deeper, it's the song. 
it's the composition. It's that composition just by itself where we reduce it um, to its very kind of like most stripped back form. This is what we call the Dolly Parton test, right? It's, it's bones, hmm. yeah. So, so Dolly Parton, um, she would be in a studio with people and they'd be all producing records for her whatever. And she'd take the guitar player outside and she'd say, come with me. Let's see if this songs works. Yeah, it work? Just here. Um, and I think that that's kind of sums up everything we've been talking about today, right? Because we've been talking mm. about, you know, you could do so, so much and all of these things and all of these tools and look at all of the things you can do. But if your composition works and if the song works with just two instruments, you are going mm. to the bank laughing, basically. <laughs> because, you know, it, it, essentially, you can play that song anywhere, anytime, and people are going to be like, yes, 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 you know? Yeah. Um, Chris, some of your favourite stripped-back songs? I mean, there's got to be a Tori Amos song oh, in there, right? Oh, oh I mean, one of, I don't know. It, it's not, Do you know what? Uh, yeah, I mean, God, there's so many, but I think... Um, one of the songs uh, from Tori Hamos, I don't know if it's my favourite song, but it's one of the most compelling is Me in a Gun. And that is an acapella song. And and it's just the vocals and the melody is just so haunting. Um, yeah. And, but, and then another one actually is um, uh, Bells for Her, where she took a deconstructed piano. Um, they'd basically just been messing with this old upright piano and just playing with it really deconstructing it taking it apart to the point where it sounded like bells yeah and in that song actually the really interesting thing about it is that she wrote it basically she was just playing on it and they weren't recording it at that point um she was just there tinkling away on it and then all of a sudden uh, the the engineer uh it was eric ross um saw that she'd got into a bit of a sort of trance-like state mm. and it was like ooh, something's about to happen and just ran over and put in the dat this is back in the days of dat recording mm. <laughs> put in the dat tape and hit record and basically then she wrote and performed the song just the vocal and that deconstructed piano just in just on the fly just like that um and then when it was over couldn't remember what she'd written had to relearn the song to be able to um mm. perform it because it just came like that in the flight so it's always one that really sticks out with me another one's Joni Mitchell, a case of you. Just mm. oh, oh my god, what a song! Just... Yeah, man, definitely. Oh. definitely. We need to, we, we're gonna, we, yeah, we need to put together a playlist, don't we? Yeah, we do actually, 100%. because 100%. but I'm just even just the thought of both of those examples, Chris. I'm getting like, I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I just yeah. love that. Obviously, we spoke about <laughs> Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley, and that, and that for me is just like, um, it's just amazing. Mm. Um, and 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 I'm pretty sure you were the first person to play me that, Ben. Um, Same, yeah. Well, what can I say? Any other songs that come to mind that work on just like, you know, um, just a guitar, vocal, or whatever? I really like, there's um, Dam Damien Rice's O album. There's a few on there. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pick one out for, for the playlist for the, because, but it's that dry, really dry um like dry vocal sound and quite close sounding um record mm. um and not not very much going on kind of instrumentally um and 
there's a guy called Asgare. Now, he uses drums and stuff, but the, the intro to this, he, he did a version of, um, I think it was Heart Shaped Box. Again, I'll, I'll double check and dig that out and we'll stick it on the playlist, but I'm pretty sure it's that. And he's got this very, um, he uses his like a, like a, I suppose you, you would call it a falsetto mm. um, sound to his voice. Very thin and like just begins on it with the piano. And comparing that to the original Nirvana song, there's mm. a, a whole heap you can do by just mm. toying with the arrangement and listening to them back to back is, is something I'd recommend doing as well. Mm. Yeah. Both of those, both versions of that. Um, uh, you know, I love the original too. Mm. Right? I mean, some, some songs I, I would throw into this playlist would be, um, um, my favorite Prince song, which is like, um, really stripped back. And, and I actually saw him perform this on an, an encore in, uh, in the O2. Yeah. Um, it's sometimes it snows in April, oh. which is just an absolutely beautiful song. Mm. Basically, any song that Donny Hathaway has done on just a piano, it will yeah. make it. <laughs> <laughs> song for you, which wasn't actually his song. I think it was mm. written by Willie Nelson. Um, and uh, there's another song he does called "For All We Know" again, which I don't think is his song. Mm. Um, and if we're thinking like someone more contemporary, there's a guy called Pink Sweats who um, I think, I can't remember what the name of the song is. It might be called either I Want You or Honesty or something like that. Um, just an electric guitar and him. And again, he's using kind of like that very falsetto tone. Lots of repetition in there. Um, but just like, you know, the fact that it's, the fact that it's a record with just that voice and um, guitar, um, a Jasmine Sullivan released a song last week was was it's called Lost Ones and and it's just her voice and and a guitar loop that's kind of like grungy guitar loop and it's just like yeah there's something about you know when we think of everything in composition and then we just kind of like have these produce versions of stuff which is amazing but then we just bring it back to that just that song and it's just and that's why people love like the like you know why the uh, live lounge is uh, such such a popular format because it's these songs that people know in these you know produced versions of them and love them and then hearing them done in a in a different way it's such a it, it always works it's yeah it's, and again, it's the songs that people pick to do on that is you end up having a sort of different appreciation of the yeah and I think place. Uh, yeah I think I think a song composition has so many personas like um when we're thinking about archetypes in a way, you can make or you could think about a song that was um um not not made in a certain archetype, but someone takes it. Yeah. Yeah. And puts it in a new archetype. That's really cool. Like the live lounge way of doing things. Um, you could take a song that was a rebel song and turn it into a lover song. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting actually. Yeah. That's, um, that's for me, one of the beautiful things about composition and about artistry, um, is that you can do that. There's obviously loads of famous examples, uh, who was it that did a version of um, a Michael Jackson song? Oh, yeah. Um, um, Alien Ant Farm. Alien Ant Farm. Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah. yeah. Smooth Criminal. Yeah. 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 
That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was amazing. It was a great version, such a actually. Good song. Such, yeah. It really is such a good song. It's a great song selection and great interpretation of it. And I mean, this is it. It brings a whole new persona to that song, mm. doesn't it? It's yep. like... Even in selecting that song and doing it in a kind of new metal version, you're introducing some of the, um, like the, the, the jester. Yeah. Even in choosing yeah. that to take a pop classic yeah. and redoing it as a, like in a metal. Definitely. There's, there's, you're throwing in, you're making it funny where perhaps it, it wasn't before. And then smashing out the park in terms of the, the performance yeah. and the arrangement as well. And like, his <laughs> voice is great on that record. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Do you know who else did something like that? It was, I think Alanis Morissette did a version of um, Black Eyed Peas. My humps, do you remember the- oh, <laughs> really? She did it, and the weird thing is, she did it in this really haunting, like sad kind of really sort of acoustic version. But it was yeah. even though it was sad and um, you know quite you know it's her sort of haunting vocals and stuff. Actually, the fact that she did it also she was kind of doing it like you said as the jester because it's sort of like obviously this song is not supposed to yeah. <laughs> sound like this, but um, it was quite yeah, it was quite funny. Slash quite nice actually. <laughs> she sounded quite, uh, quite, quite, yeah, like actually quite a nice song. Yeah, <laughs> it made you appreciate it in a very different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and and one of the things, and this made me appreciate the original even more. Even though I appreciate the cover, um, on Frank Ocean's first release which which is a mixtape called nostalgia ultra he basically took the eagles hotel california mm-hmm. and he wrote a new song over it um and but the instrumental was exactly that instrumental right ah. and it was it made me appreciate of frank ocean is an amazing artist and a generational artist mm. um but i literally i listened to it mm. and I had to go back and listen to Hotel California again. Um, and I was just like, this song is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Ocean, yeah, he didn't do anything instrumentally, but, you know, he flipped it completely. He, he talks about marriage in America and relationships and all of this kind of stuff. And it's just, and it's... So it's... So it's exactly the same as yeah. the original. Like all the, you know, the, 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 like yeah, the, the double guitar solo exactly and everything. And yeah, th- he's taken it, and it's a and it's a, yep. a fresh. Yeah, that yeah, make a great sure. case study for what you can do with yeah, with, yeah, yeah, with for your, sure. yeah. That sounds great. And um, there's elements of the melody that he's kept and stuff like that. Mm. But again, it's a different persona of the same song, isn't it? Because Hotel California, when I think about it, has dark undertones and yeah yeah <laughs> yeah right. you know it's been linked to uh quite a few conspiracy theories uh, yeah, well, <laughs> anything good but, usually does get linked yeah to. exactly but um you know it, it i suppose that's the persona it's always had for me until it was kind of brought back and then it's kind of like listening to that song in a new way it, it's wonderful because these creations these compositions um, when an artist puts them out into the world, they probably do it with an intention. Um, so as an artist, as a creator, you're going to go and you're going to intend to rece- be received in one way, but the interpretation is always down to to the listener. Um, and so your fans are always going to interpret your art in whichever wh- way that applies to them. So if you're going 
through some sort of um, rough time in life, um, you might take a song that the artist intended to be a fairly happy song. Because, um, you know, songs, sometimes we skew the meaning of them and then, and we might use that as a song which means a certain thing to us, but the artist actually meant it as something different. Um, that's the wonderful thing about creating and composing, really, is that when you reach out to your fans, finally, they'll tell you what the song is all about. It's not really about what you thought yeah. it was about. You tried all these tricks to do this, that, and the next. And in fact, and in fact, yeah, <laughs> um, your 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 listener has given it a completely different meaning in some cases. Yeah, and then the song just lives on beyond you. It takes on its own own life. And, and yeah, that's. Um, that's um that's the thing I find most magical thing um about creations, compositions, that they mean something actually they mean different things to different people. Yeah. So yeah. if you guys have anything else to say, just please say it now. <laughs> um no, I don't think I do. I think that's a nice little that's a nice little note to to end on, I think actually. I quite like that. The so uh, don't forget, guys, um, to wherever we are on the internet to like and subscribe and follow and do all of that wonderful stuff. Um, thank you for listening today. We will be back with another episode next week where we will actually be talking about um, recording and the art of recording. Um, but for now, we have been Charting Tracks team. Ben Hennessy, Carside, Chris O'Gorman and myself, Amir, Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye. Ciao.